Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, or tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. On today's episode, Anita Darwood Carr joins us to talk about the freshman 15 to college crisis, unpacking eating disorders on college campuses. So whether you're in college right now, you're a parent listening to this episode, or someone who has personally struggled with this in college or at any point in your life, this episode is definitely for you. So we're going to be diving into how the college environment can either brew or instigate eating disorder or disordered eating behaviors, how just the concept of the freshman 15 can be so damaging and how it itself can lead to eating disorder behaviors. We're also having a fun little tangent on where the freshman 15 even came from. Then we're going to be talking about how to fight against these thoughts and behaviors for yourself. And in a short bonus episode on Patreon, we're going to be talking about as a friend, as a parent, or as someone who is concerned for a child who is in college who they think may be struggling with disordered eating or eating disorders. We're talking about red flags that you can look for and different ways that you can support that person while they're struggling. So a little bit more about Anita before we get started. She is a registered dietitian who specializes in the treatment of eating disorders, disordered eating, and co-occurring medical conditions that result from these illnesses. Anita is passionate about working with adolescents and young adults who suffer from chronic illness alongside their eating disorders, disordered eating, and body image concerns. One last thing before we get started today, this is something that Christina and I are really excited to share with you. So on Thursday, September 28th at 12 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be hosting a wholehearted eating, non-diet meal planning power hour. So there will be a link with more information on this in the show notes, but basically we're inviting you to join us to learn how to meal plan in a non-diet, non-restrictive, but semi-structured way, how to make food more easily accessible and available to you without any food paralysis or decision fatigue. You're also going to get a wholehearted eating meal planning guide, which we will walk you through on the power hour. So you have the tools to be successful on your own in the future. And by the way, if you're joining us for the live recording on the date that I mentioned, it's going to be completely free. So if you're interested, check it out at the link in the description and let's get started with the episode. Okay, well, hey everyone, and welcome back to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. We have a great guest here today. Anita is here, and we're going to be talking about food and body image in college. Um, And even if you're not a college student, if you have a college student, or if you have ever had any of these thoughts or behaviors, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have. So welcome to the club. Um, We wanted to start with a little bit of a set the scene, as you all know, we like to do. And we wanted to talk about how the college environment, whether you're a freshman or like at any point in time, or honestly, even in grad school as well, how this can kind of brew and really instigate eating disorder and disordered eating behaviors. So we've talked about a lot on the podcast about how 
when you have this feeling of being out of control, whether it's because things are out of control in your life or it feels like things are out of control, then you can kind of grasp onto these different things like trying to manage your body weight or trying to control your food or instigate these kind of like very intense or restrictive behaviors, whether it's with exercise or other things, in order to try and bring some aspect of control into your life. And so you can imagine, or maybe you've been there like we all have. Um, I don't want to speak for Anita, but I know Christina and I have been there. But when you go off to college, or even if you're moving somewhere else and you're on your own for the first time and you're trying to make new friends and you're like, I just want people to like me. I want to do well in my classes. I want to kind of figure out what is this new life for me. When all of those are kind of unknown variables and you have no control over them, one of the things that it can feel like you have is within your grasp is manipulating your food or manipulating your exercise in an attempt to try and manipulate your body size because from what we've been told our whole lives growing up and what we kind of absorb as sponges is like, well, if I can fit myself into this very specific mold or as close to that as I can, people will like me better and I'll have an easier time in this situation, in this new job, in college, or something like that. So welcome to the show, Anita. (laughs) Thank you, guys. That was great. (laughs) Anita, I'm curious, like, based off of what everything Dana just said, she kind of, like, outlined the episode in a lot of ways for, like, what we wanted to touch on. But I'm curious of what you think, what you think, like, why do you feel like the college environment really can kind of feed this beast in a lot of ways and like these types of disordered thoughts and how they kind of percolate and brew. Yeah, I think this, especially like going at any point in someone's college career, but especially that first initial transition from high school to college, it's kind of like the perfect breeding ground for these things to emerge, right? Because like a lot of the times it's the first time people are on their own without their parents, even though when you're in high school, your parents aren't really like parenting, but they're still there, right? Like, so you're on your own and um, you have all this new control of your academics, of maybe work, of food, of exercise, of maybe the way you dress. Like, it's all just kind of overwhelming. So I think a lot of the times that coupled with the social pressure, like makes sense why um, these thoughts and stuff um, and obsessions with food, body exercise and kind of form. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like one of the things that I was thinking about too is, you know, you're, you are kind of left on your own and unless you've had a lot of education and support around how to step into that, it can feel really overwhelming very quickly. And I feel like a lot of times too, is like, we go with what we know, or we try to do the opposite of what we've ever been told at home too. And I think that can go, especially when you're like a young college student, I'm thinking about myself, you know, for sure. And like the things that I was like, they're not here. woohoo! You know, like, and all the things that I could kind of do as a result of that. And also I think so much of it too, is like, I'm thinking about, you know, when you are trying to meet new people, fitting in, trying to find your footing a little bit, it's really easy to kind of go with what people are doing or kind of pretty easily kind of self-isolate. And I think one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is kind of like this like knowledge deficit when it comes to how to take care of yourself. 
um, a lot of times happens in college where it's like all of a sudden your school workload is possibly a lot more than you had in college. The management of your time, the management of your food, whether or not you have a meal plan or not, or if you're going to the grocery store or if you're cooking, if you've never cooked before, it would be really, really easy to go to Dr. TikTok and find, find, right, and find guidance around this if you don't know how to do it or if you don't want to ask your parents or you feel like you don't like the way they did it anyways or you're seeing what your friends are doing. And then we're all kind of like, it's like the blind leading the blind and then going into TikTok. I would love to hear what you have to say about like how the, the, maybe how this knowledge deficit kind of comes in and how TikTok is like the perfect place to like, you're going to go as a college student learning and trying to figure stuff out. And then you might start, you could find things that could really help you step into some very disordered eating behaviors and exercise behaviors. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I think you highlighted a lot of things, right? Like when someone, whether you're moving away or um, whether it's far or near that transition where things are going to be different, the world's kind of flipped upside down. That is a lot of the times where we will see kids who maybe at home, their food was so tightly regulated, or maybe that was a quote, no junk food household, or um, there were certain food rules that were followed as a family, right? Oftentimes we'll see kids then go off to college and that is where maybe we'll see some more binge-like tendencies or um, tendencies to go for those foods they weren't openly allowed to, which also leads to a whole slew of other issues related to food and body, right? Um, Or yeah, maybe it's the kid whose parents maybe did everything for them, right? And so it's like, how do I build a plate? Am I just going to have pizza every day? Like, what do I do? Um, or a lot of my clients, I feel like, are the ones that are kind of predisposed. So maybe they're going into college with some body image concerns or some, you know, self-esteem or self-confidence concerns that it's kind of like, well, now I'm here and my parents aren't watching me. So I'm going to just like play around with quote unquote eating healthier, right? I think we've probably all heard that of, Um, Mm -hmm. that can also take a negative turn. So there's a lot of different, I guess, presentations in which this shows up. And I am thankful TikTok didn't exist when I was in college. Um, (laughs) Same. (laughs) Oh my gosh. My time on TikTok, don't get me wrong. I like to fill my feed with dogs and, um, other funny things, (laughs) but I mean, it's so easy to go on and, search whatever and then be absorbing and getting this information from maybe they're other college kids maybe they're people that are claiming to be professionals but we all know maybe aren't right but to be like oh well so is following this exact diet so if i do that i will look like them even though we know everybody is different and we could all eat the same amount of food exercise the same we'd all look different which i think that is where that knowledge gap um is right I also wanted to just agree that I'm so glad that TikTok did not exist when I was in college because, I mean, it was a struggle enough as it was. And just, you know, the stuff that I hear from clients and then also, you know, I coach swimming and some of the stuff that I hear from kids who are coming home from college, I'm just like, 
uh, like my heart breaks for some of these people. But, you know, the reason we say like TikTok and not Instagram is because the unique way that the TikTok algorithm works is like if you like something or if you start watching certain things, then you see more of that, you know, where you could have had your feed that was full of like dogs and rainbows and butterflies and, you know, whatever, just like very kind of mundane stuff. If someone, you know, a friend of yours or someone who you're trying to make friends with sends you something that could be like, what used to be known as like pro Anna content or like, you know, anything like that, your feed is like, oh, you like watching this? And then it shows you more and more of that. And people, you know, there was even a court case a couple of years ago that was showing how like people can get caught in these kind of like pro Anna TikTok holes. And because of the way that the algorithm works, you can never get out of it. So, you know, when you go into college and you maybe you have a knowledge deficit of just the basics of like, how do I feed myself? And like, how do I take care of myself? You know, versus a lot of these, you know, dieting and restrictive behaviors start so, so young. And it did then, but I feel like it's even more now because it's more, you know, you can see it more easily on social media. And kids have social media from the time they're like, 10, you know, or younger. So maybe they're going into college and they already have all of these different ideas of like, oh, well, I never would be able to get away with that, you know, with my parents or my guardians at home. But I'm like, oh, look at all this freedom. I can try these crazy shit I saw on TikTok, but they don't think it's crazy (laughs) because it's from a quote, health professional or it's some, you know, influencer or someone that they follow who has no credentials and no business to be giving out this advice or anything like that. Quite quite frankly, some of them are college students too. Like exactly you're following influencers who are college age students who are also students going through the same experience who are look a certain way and gosh, we haven't even talked about like the whole Bama TikTok. I know. (laughs) Bama TikTok. Yeah, I know. Even, um, I was on, I I posted this on my like nutrition Instagram. So I was just like shocked, but I was literally looking up like vegetarian dinner ideas or whatever on Pinterest, you know, so innocent. And it comes up as restrictive meal, restrictive dinner ideas or as restrictive aesthetic meals. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I thought we were done with that. On Pinterest, at least, I like, come on. You can even have the best <sighs> intentions and it still, like, creeps up, so. Still pops up, yeah. And yeah. I think without having the knowledge of how, I think, yeah, I think a lot of times what's what's difficult, too, is we don't know what's disordered because it's been so normalized. And so when we go, when we see someone doing something like, oh, no, they're eating healthy and the person perpetuating it isn't saying like, oh, I'm anorexic, be be anorexic with me. Like most of the time, that's not the case. Usually it's, hey, I'm a clean eater. And here's the things that I've been doing that's been helping me um, have an outlet for my work, my school stress and for studying. And this is how I make sure that I'm nourishing myself well. And like, I'm taking care of myself and I'm not having these toxins and like all of the things that like we're seeing. And so when you go into it, like you said, innocently enough looking for, you know, you might Google healthy meals at college and then all of a sudden you're stuck in this, this huge, like, feed of stuff that's telling you that unbeknownst to you is really highly restrictive and leading you down a road and down a path of highly disordered behavior. And you're looking at these people like, okay, and then you have 
the fear percolating underneath of what if I don't fit in? What if I don't look like everybody else? I certainly don't look like this influencer who's on TikTok talking about all this stuff. And now I'm in this environment at school where I'm meeting new people. I have the rise of social anxiety is coming up. It's like this, like, like a client of mine and I were talking about how it was like, Mm -hmm. it's like a perfect storm for eating disorder behavior to just be like, here, I'm just going to come flying in because a lot of times it is like, you don't typically go out and say, Oh, I'm going to start an eating disorder. You know, it's a real slippery slope. And then next thing you know, you know, your, your stress relief of going to the college gym turns into a complete obsession, you know, and I feel like that's so hard. I think it's fair and helpful to also validate, like, we understand why so many people would fall into these patterns, right? It's very understandable. It's not like, oh, you're a bad person for, and I know neither of you were saying that, but I think it's just helpful to reiterate, right? Because like, we've been there, you know, like it is, I would say more on the rare side, if you don't fall into at least one of these behaviors or thought patterns, right? So it's a very ripe environment for being like, okay, well, you know, how do I do this? And I think everyone kind of has that thought at one point. It's you have these people who go into college and you're like, uh, I don't know how to do this. So I want to figure out how to do this. And then there's also this other camp of people. I was like, well, we're just going to go with it and see what happens. You know, I'm just going to eat period. You know, whereas I feel like most of the people listening to this podcast is like, how is that even a possibility to think that way? You know, but Speaking of the fear and the like multiple levels of fear that we're talking about, right? I'd love if we could talk about how the just the concept of the freshman 15 and kind of the fear along with that can be so damaging. I mean, it's a horrible term, but it still exists out there. So I feel like we need to talk about it, right? How it's so damaging and how just the concept of the freshman 15 in itself, whether or not it plays out or if if, if it even exists, like how that can on its own can lead to very disordered and eating disorder. Yeah, behaviors. no, I'm glad we're bringing this up because I think it unfortunately still is a thing. I mean, I remember being a senior in college and people talking about that, which wasn't that long ago. And yeah, you wonder like, oh, is that real? And in the fat phobic society we live in, obviously that would be like the worst thing in the world. Um, So when I was, you know, thinking about this topic, I Googled it and I think I was just like the freshman 15 astonished, like all the things that pop up so quickly on how to avoid it and um, tips for freshmen in college to not gain the freshman 15, whatever. So definitely out there. And again, yeah, I want to reiterate that like, it's no one's fault. You're not a bad person. We're kind of set up to think that way, that it's almost like normal, right? Like if all your friends are talking about it, like it makes sense. Um, So that got me curious. So I did a little digging of where the freshman 15 originated because that had to come out of some diet culture. Right. And, um, yeah. yeah, it was first used in a 1989 issue of 17 magazine in an article titled Fighting the Freshman 15. <sighs> no, 17 magazine, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yep. And so oh if we want to think back to 1989, the year Taylor Swift was born, best year. <laughs> <laughs> yes! It, it, you get me, Anita. <laughs> 1989, Taylor Swift coming out. Anyway, 
Okay, Taylor's in her like early 30s. If we think about kids <laughs> going to college today, you're 18. You weren't even alive when this originated, right? And here's the tea. It's like not real. It's made up by a magazine to sell magazines to make you diet. Like that's literally what it is, which is, oh man, and it's so frustrating too. But, you know, it really does annoy me because it's it's so deeply praised on such a vulnerable time in a in your life when you're going off on your own you don't have oversight you're kind of like you know and there's so much social pressure and i feel like now okay 1989 you know if you didn't read that freshman that that teen magazine at that time you maybe never would have heard about it whereas mm-hmm. like now with with like how fast information is shared and gone through, it's like you don't really stand a chance from being able to avoid the language and being able to kind of like protect yourself from it, which makes it really hard, especially if you're someone who already has an eating disorder and is going into college, how much harder that is because now not only are you bombarded with this type of language, but now we're isolated and we finally can do it without any kind of oversight, which is really dangerous and really scary. And so I'd I'd love to hear like, a little bit of your thoughts of like, so we know this all exists. We know that TikTok is like, you know, like throwing gasoline on a fire that's already there in a lot of ways. And that the social pressures, the cultural pressures, the, you know, Bama, tic- Bama sorority TikTok kind of vibes. Like it, there's a whole documentary about it. Like all of the things. How do we as a college student fight against some of these thoughts and behaviors for yourself and whether it shows up through food or if it shows up through exercise, how would you, like, how do you think about this and what could they do to kind of fight against, you know, what could feel like a really like counterculture thing to do? So I'm actually going to back up a smidge because I think it'll be helpful to highlight this one piece of information and then go into that if that's okay. Um, I think it's important to acknowledge that it is normal for your body to change from high school into college. And I think society misses that, right? Like it is normal to not, to change from your like child adolescent body to a body of someone in your young twenties. Right. And spoiler alert, it won't stop changing after that. Like I think so many times clients are like, I'm going to talk to won't change. I'm like, mm, have you met your mid twenties or your early thirties or anyone who's maybe gotten pregnant? Late, late thirties, two babies later, it's things different. are different. Um, <laughs> and you know, we know from science, our brain and bodies especially your brain, I know, and your nervous system isn't fully formed until at least 25, maybe even later. And so while you're maybe not growing like height wise anymore, things are still going on. Right. So like weight gain or not, like that is so utterly normal. Right. We know even from a growth chart perspective, it goes until 22, meaning that weight gain happens. It's expected. Um, And so I think also holding that in mind that it's kind of like a fact that you are going to gain weight 
most likely in some capacity or your body's going to change from those ages in college. Um, and I'm sure you guys, if you think back to when you were in college, maybe of how, yeah, 17 to 22 looks different, right? 100%, 100%. And I was a dancer. So it was very, like, it was very different. And then I stopped dance. It was like a whole layer of things that like, that it was like ripe with this kind of discomfort in my body too. And so I really love that you brought that up because it is so true. You're still growing, you're still developing, your body is still changing. Um, yeah. And so it is like, kind of like this mm-hmm. whole idea is built on a false premise. Um, and then we're then expected to live up to something that we're really never were meant to live up to, to begin with. And that is so much pressure on us. And we already have so much pressure with school and social things and all of the stuff and, you know, looking for internships and looking for jobs if you're graduating and so many layers of pressure that's going on right now at that age specifically. And then to layer this on top of it is just, you know, quite frankly, just shitty you know it's just shitty to do and yeah I think I really love that you brought that up because I think it is so important for people to know that your body is going to change it's like the only constant and um yeah and that's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people that's the really difficult part about it yeah well especially adding another layer here right it's like as someone who was an athlete through college and then also coaches kids throughout their whole life. There's a whole Uh another like group of people that has a whole extra layer of anxiety because it's like, you know, let's say like Christina, you were a dancer through high school or, you know, you did, you were, your activities were chock full. You were very active and everything in high school, but you don't necessarily have plans to continue with that in college your body's going to change, right? When there are change variables, your body will reflect that, right? And so when that happens, I think inevitably there's another aspect of that fear of, oh my gosh, I have to either match or increase what I was doing in high school so that my body won't change. And then another layer of this, and this is something that I talk frequently about with my clients, and I feel like we could have an entire episode on this, is like, If you are an athlete in high school or if you are an athlete in college, especially if you're an athlete like a swimmer where basically the nutrition information you're given is like, well, just eat, you're burning it off, so it doesn't matter, you know, and I know that that's very common with a lot of sports as well. You're not actually taught how to feed yourself as a regular person, let alone an athlete, right, which is an additional kind of nutrient requirement on top of that. But when that's done, you're also not receiving any not only nutrition information, but like, how do you transition from being an athlete to what we sometimes call a NARP, which is like a non-athlete regular person, which is not supposed to be (laughs) derogatory or anything like that. It's just a term that we all kind of joked around about in college. But like, when that happens, that stage is also very ripe for disordered eating or eating disorders because, again, it's a major change and you feel like you're entering this kind of new phase of an identity for yourself. And you're like, well, if I'm not an athlete anymore, you know, what do I do? I've spent 30 hours a week doing this, 20 hours a week doing this, and now there's just a void. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? So, just another stage that can be set for disordered eating and eating disorder behaviors. So, 
As you all can see, this can happen for many reasons and at multiple times throughout college. It's probably more on the surprising side if you don't fall into yeah. any of these categories. Yeah. So yeah. I think the important thing too, I like to remind people is that an eating disorder or any form of disordered eating is going to cause you far more damage and distress to your body than the natural, than fighting your natural biology, right? Of whatever that change is going look like for you. Um, so again, makes sense that people feel this way. And I think we need to spread the truth on what the freshman 15 actually is. <laughs> I love that. And, you have, and I was like, you know, now's the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny is I never have either. And I didn't even think about nope. doing it for this, for this podcast episode. And so I really love it. I think like, you know, we're going to have to share that far and wide, you know, it's from 1989, 17 magazine, nonsense like that's where it originated and um i think also too like i'm going back to the um exercise piece as well and i think that that is such a huge thing too because it also layers in identity you know like who am i if i'm not a dancer anymore like i was or like who am i if i'm not a competitive swimmer and like how do i fit in here and trying to find your thing and maybe you really loved being active so it would be really natural for you to fall into you know the gym world dana i'm sure can explain <laughs> can dive into that exposed <laughs> Dana, Dana has been exposed, but I feel like it'd be really As easy if to do people didn't that. know that already. <laughs> I know. They all knew. Everyone knew. Um, but I feel like those are some things that could really, you know, be such a big piece of this and trying to like kind of find your footing. And I think so much of your college years is you trying to figure out who you are and trying to figure out where you stand and what matters to you and what your values are. And that's so much pressure. And I feel like we take body control and appearance as like an outward representation of who we are when really it's not, does not tell us anything about who you are as a person, but we tend to kind of latch onto that and think about that a lot. And then we, you know, in a way we objectify ourselves, you know, and I, um, and I think that's really hard. And it also feels like I know a lot of my clients were like, you know, Christina, that's all well and good. Like, that's great. I don't want to do that. And that's so true. And I don't judge other people for their body size. But uh, I, the pressure to look a certain way is still there. And I don't want to be outcasted. So I'm doing everything that I can to be there. And so I'd really love for you to dive into like, what do we do to kind of fight some of those thoughts and behaviors when you feel like, that's great. I get it. I'm all about being body liberated and all of that jazz for people. I know people hear about it. They know about it, but it's like, but I can't cross that on my own for me. Yeah. And I feel like this is something that's probably all of my clients that have disordered eating or eating. Like, <laughs> oh, I would never say that to a friend or I would never suggest that to someone else. But like, for me, it's different. Right. And I think we, it's natural. Like we all do that. Right. Of like, we don't take our own advice or our own knowledge <laughs> because our brains are just silly like that. Um, there's actually probably a more scientific reason, but that's my reason. Um, so a few things, you know, that I 
usually would like offer to clients is I think one is surrounding yourself with people who make you feel good about yourself, right? Which, you know, going to college or whatever change is happening, like you're going to be meeting a ton of people like classes in the dorms, clubs, sports, whatever it is. And you're going to be meeting people from not just your small hometown, maybe, but like the world, right? Like all over the state, the country, the world. Um, And so I think just really being mindful of those relationships and being mindful of the time you're putting into certain relationships of like, after I hang out with this person, like, do I feel bad about myself or am I questioning things or does that like fill my cup? Is that fun? Am I enjoying it? Right. Because I think, especially with social media and everything, um, that is just, I think something really important is who you surround yourself with. Um, so that is one thing. Um, another thing is, really paying attention to your social media, right? And I always joke the only cleanse you should do is your social media. Um, <laughs> meaning, you know, if you follow some influencer or some um, famous person, but after looking at their stuff, you feel like crap, like, why are we following them, right? Like, what would it be like to unfollow? Do an experiment. Like, if your life is truly worse follow them back. Like you can do that. I think experimenting with that too, of like, no one says you have to even follow people from high school. Like if they're not enriching your life, or at least if they're making it certainly worse, like, I think it's worth, um, taking a look at that. You can also quiet them on your feed too. I don't know how that works with TikTok. I don't think that's really the same thing, but definitely on Instagram, if you're still on there, like <laughs> that, that can be something too. But one thing that I was thinking about too, along with the social media, like cleansing and kind of curating who you're following, I think that's so important. And it's really hard, I feel like, to set those types of boundaries, especially if you feel like it's family or anything like that. But one thing that I will say that I think can be done is one thing that I hear a lot from clients of mine and Anita I wonder if you hear it too it's like almost like they're looking for like a lot of clients will look for external validation on social media for their own posts and so one thing that I will say to to my clients is well maybe Mm. it's time for you to make your account private And not have it public because then it's not a likes game. And now, you know, it's not like that. Now we're not looking for all of those types of things and we can't have an endless growth of posts. Maybe we can curate it. So only certain people, maybe you share only certain people with your close friends and how you can curate that and how you can do that kind of stuff now. Because if we're looking for, you know, validation, and um, reassurance about our appearance that makes us more attached to our appearance, which then makes giving up the disordered eating behaviors or the eating disorder or the exercise and all that kind of stuff a lot more um, risky in your mind. Like, oh my God, if I give those up, what if I get less likes or my post doesn't go as far as it could because I don't look the same? And then you can then internalize that and mean like, I don't look good anymore. And that's why people aren't doing this. I have to go back to those behaviors. And so I think 
not only is it social media from like a curating what I'm seeing and creating more diversity in like what you're seeing, because the college experience is incredibly diverse too, you know, like, and kind of like opening your eyes and looking around and saying, there's a lot of different people, types of people in just one classroom and just one dorm and just my floor and probably in even just in my dorm room, lots of different people who look all differently. And I think having that privacy and curating, you know, how you're utilizing it for yourself and checking and doing that kind of self check of like, Mm -hmm. am I looking at this? Can I turn comments off? How does that make me feel? Am I okay with that? Um, And kind of testing that boundary and seeing because that might be part of what's feeding feeding the behaviors and reinforcing them for you over and over again. So I'm glad you brought up that um, the social media. Yeah, feed no, that so is a very fun. good point because yeah, of course it feels good to get comments like that and things, but I think you have to evaluate like that shouldn't be the only way that you are getting positive feedback, right? Or that shouldn't your whole self-worth or value shouldn't be riding on that. Yeah, absolutely. One more thing I would say too about TikTok, right, is because there's one feed for people who you're following and one feed for your For You page, right, is just to notice what are the types of things that are coming up when you're just doom scrolling, you know? Because if when you're scrolling, you can see like a whole bunch of things that are making you feel like, oh, I should be doing this, oh, I should be doing that, or oh, I shouldn't be doing something that I'm currently doing, that's a great like yellow orange flag for you of like, oh, maybe we should, you know, and that's that's hard because on the for you page, it's not like you can unfollow that person because you're already not following them. Right. Because then what that means is you can start to affirmatively kind of curate your feed mm-hmm. in, a, in an add in kind of way, which we love to talk about the add in as opposed to the restrictive right but so seeking out things that can fill your feed with more positive things and things that will make you feel either better or even just neutral right what we're really looking for is things that don't make you feel worse <laughs> so that's one piece of advice that I would give there yeah, too 100 anything else that you want to add Anita about you know how to fight against some of those behaviors and thoughts I think one thing I like to remind people is like Okay, you're 17, 18, like you and your parents have gotten you to where you are today, right? Like, you know, the foods that you like and that make you feel good, or you know, the way that you feel when you exercise or when you do certain activities or hobbies, right? Like, make sure to do those things, right? Like, if you know that it brings you comfort to have soup when it's cold out, right? Like, even silly things like that, that you know is like, super comforting or maybe it's getting your fall Starbucks drink once a week like doing those things that you know in your inner wisdom make you feel good right um like those things don't have to stop if you know they work for you like continue to do them um and then I just think the other big one I wanted to hit on is stay busy right but not too busy which yeah. I think is the caveat here because that is very, very <laughs> hard to do um, where you want to be busy. You don't want to feel isolated and alone, but you also don't want to be so stressed and overwhelmed, but then you need something to control. So if anything 
has that perfect balance figured out, let me know. Because <laughs> I certainly don't. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that's such a good one to kind of hit on, though, about being busy, but not too busy, because I think part of it, too, is when you get too busy, it can almost lead to accidentally, like, not eating. And then you're like, oh, I'm not eating. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my body's changing a little bit. Ooh, cool. I'm going to, like, double down on that a little bit, or I'm not eating as frequently, or I'm not doing certain stuff, or I keep missing breakfast at the dining hall. And cool, now I'll just start skipping breakfast, you know, whatever it is. Um, And I think saying like about being busy, but not too busy, like, yeah, you want to be doing stuff. You don't want to be isolated in your room by yourself all the time. But that's not an invitation to sign up for 10 different extracurricular things, do all these different stuff, get an internship and completely burn yourself out and be busy, 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 busy and have no time for. Yeah, you can just do that in your yourself. adult life. Yeah. That's- <laughs> <laughs> no, I am not setting that precedent I'm kidding. for these. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I know. Please don't do that at any point. <laughs> do not engage, guys. Don't listen. <laughs> just kidding. I know you're not. If you do, please read that. the book. Burnout by Amelia and Emily Nagoski. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, this was so helpful. I feel like we've really touched on a lot of things about how the college experience can really feed a lot of this. And I feel like sometimes it's a really unique experience that we know happens a lot with college students. And I see a lot of college students. I know you do too, Anita. And I, Dana, I presume that you probably do as well. Um, And I feel like it's not talked about in a lot of like large settings for how to work through this and support yourself or anything like that. So if there's like one thing that you want to leave the listeners with for who are maybe going through this or anything, we'd love to hear anything that you feel like could be really helpful. Yeah, yeah, I think reflecting even back on my own college days, which I even took a fifth year and it still wasn't long enough. (laughs) (laughs) So do the victory lap if you can. But, um, you know, college really does go by in a blink of an eye. Like when people say that, we're not just saying that because it's cliche, like it really does go by so fast. And it's such a unique time where you're kind of in what I call the college bubble of like, kind of adulthood, but it's like kind of not and you live so close to all your friends and it goes by so, so quickly. And I think take all the stuff with a grain of salt that you see, you know, you don't want to look back when you're in your late twenties or when you're 70 or however old and, you know, have any regrets or be sad that you couldn't go on the late night ice cream run because you were so worried about this one thing. I think in the moment it feels really important, but I'd encourage you to also think of the bigger picture. I think that's such a great piece of advice. Because I think a lot of times we can get sucked into feeling like right now is the most important thing and kind of taking a step back and looking at it and saying, this is one night, one day, one blimp in my time. That's a really special and fun time that I can be having. And I don't want to spend it uh, obsessing about my body and obsessing about exercise and feeling like I have to do all of the Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. 
Yeah. Thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Of course. I was happy to talk about some of these things and even, you know, refresh my brain on some new things I can talk about with clients. So. Hey friends, we're not done yet. If you're interested in learning more about this topic, we're actually continuing the conversation with Anita over on Patreon, where we're going to be talking about some advice for parents, friends, and family members on what you can do to support someone who has disordered eating or an eating disorder in college. And then also when they come home or when you see them, some red flags to look for in case they are struggling. So we'll see you over on patreon.com slash wholehearted eating. Hey friends, it's Dana, and thanks so much for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast today. Find us on social media at Wholehearted Eating Pod on Instagram and at wholeheartedeating.com for more information about working with Dana and Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling. If you love the show, we would love you forever if you'd share an episode with your family and friends or tag us on social media or leave a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts to help more people find the show. Check out patreon.com slash wholeheartedeating to help support the show and get access to ad-free episodes, bonus episodes with us and our guests, episode discussions, new resources we're creating for Patreon, and so much more. If you have questions for us, feedback on the show, potential topics or guests you'd love to have on, shoot us an email at hello at wholeheartedeating.com and we'll see you next week.